Hello, everybody. Episode 14, January 15th. And it's a Martin Luther King Day. I feel like this year has not been a lot of coverage. So I wanted to start off with with kind of introducing it. It's a great day for everyone to to really look back at Martin Luther King Jr. and kind of read up on the history and and just kind of encapsulate yourself and in, in what he meant and why we have this day as a national holiday. Um, so some fun fact about Miami real quick. In 1977, that was the first ever city in the country to organize a Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, parade. And uh, I'll leave you guys with this quote before we get into it. My favorite quote I think I found real quick is, peace is more precious than diamonds or silver or gold. I think that applies across the board and internally, just peace internally. Uh, so that's our nice little introduction, a little different this week. Juan, my friend, my brother, how are you doing today? What's going on, bro? Happy episode 14. And yes, happy MLK Day. Um, I would definitely agree. I feel like there's been not a ton of coverage. I'm really unsure why. But yeah, this day is always it's always special. I, uh, I remember back in college, this was actually always a day where fun fact, I used to always volunteer, whether it was at nice. a shelter or even just kind of picking up around uh, campus uh, back when I was in school. Um, so really nice day. So hope everyone listening uh, for today's episode did manage to spend it resting and again, maybe thinking about um, some of the things that this day does stand for. Um, but yeah, man, happy to be back um, and excited about today's agenda, brother. We got a whole lot going on. Obviously, as always, more than enough stuff to uh, to talk about. Keep the listeners happy. Um, we got college football we got to talk about that we got got to talk about your cowboy john we obviously got to talk about our dolphins we got to talk about the miami heat um and a lot of other stuff um so before so let's go ahead and get into it um i do have a question for you john that i'm hoping maybe the listeners they might have some input on that but how what is the cutoff when you can start wishing people a happy new year at what point does it become almost corny you know it's now January fifteenth, are, are are we at that cutoff yet, or can we still say Happy New Year? I think I think this weekend was a cutoff. I think it's like the Labor Day wearing white. I think you know the year's still fresh. We're two weeks in, and uh, Happy New Year, Happy New Year, Juan. Yeah, you know this what? This might be the last time. F it. This might this is the last time we get to do it. Happy New Year, guys. Or <laughs> has been going so far, and those resolutions are still intact. So with that. With that being said, let's go ahead and kick it off. So let's go ahead and start off at the top of our agenda, John. And that is with the latest and greatest topic that occurred. That is the Miami Dolphins. Our season is officially over. Dunzo. Terminado. No more. As I'm sure everyone saw, we had our wild card game um, this weekend and basically concluded the what was a very, very, you know, hyped uh, Dolphin season in probably the worst conclusion. We obviously started off very, very hot this season to end very, very cold, both literally and metaphorically, because where they played was below freezing. I think the stat was it was nine degrees uh, with wind chill. So literally and uh, metaphorically speaking, we ended the season very cold. Obviously, we saw uh, Chiefs beat the Dolphins uh, 26 to 7. Um, so let's go ahead and break that down, man. Um, I mean, on this episode, we obviously had a lot of hot takes where we were, you know, I was very, very, you know, defending the Dolphins, saying that we were going to end the uh, the number one seed. And, and that day and that dream did stay alive for quite a while. Um, I think the turning point for us, honestly, was the Tennessee Titans game. I mean, pretty much from there, it was kind of a downfall just because that game is pretty much what opened up the AFC East back out to the Bills. And it made it so that week 18 game actually meant something that could have been a situation where that week 18 game could have meant absolutely nothing. We could have locked up the AFC East much earlier. But again, we unfortunately fumbled um, again, both literally because we did fumble a lot in that game <laughs> and metaphorically speaking by losing that game. But yeah, man, we had three losses in a row, unfortunately, Ravens, Bills, and then, of course, now the Chiefs to end the season. Um, so what are your thoughts, John? How, how are you feeling? Because, you know, I feel like, I mean, we'll talk about the Cowboys a little bit later, but you obviously had a really, really tough weekend. How are you feeling, my guy? Garbage. But I've been telling everybody, at least sound the way. Both teams done. First first round, we did it. We're in, we're out, and I can move on with my life. Um, 
But that both games were horrible. I mean, the Dolphins was kind of like a slow carry down pain. Like I remember the last five minutes of the game, I was like, I don't need to watch this right now. Like I can just turn this off. The game's over. But I was like, you know what? Let me let me support to the end. And it's just like, you know, probably my night would have been better if I just didn't do that because it was horrible. And then, you know, the next day, like, hey, maybe the Cowboys will do something. And, uh, you know, Sunday night football playoffs are playing the Packers like at home. We play great at home. And uh, yeah, even worse. How could I couldn't even imagine it was even worse of a game than the Dolphins. This, I think it was like 21 or 27-0 at one point. And uh, that game, I learned my lesson from Saturday. I turned it off, I think, at halftime. But the Cowboys did come back a little bit. But it's just like, yeah, it was brutal. But we move on. Uh, I feel optimistic about the Dolphins, much more optimistic about the Dolphins' future than the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I kind of gave up on them this last season, or this current season, rather. So the fact that we had the season we did was still uh, an experience that I am grateful for because I expected nothing. So, you know, expect nothing, and everything that happens is probably going to be good. So that was a positive, but the Dolphins' future looks bright. Um, so, you know, it's over, whatever. We move on. And yeah, now the offseason draft and trades, that's that's exciting. How about how about yourself? Yeah, man. I mean, I've been pondering, I've been thinking a lot about uh since then. I've gone through a roller coaster of emotions. I've gone <laughs> through depression. I've gone through happiness where I've sort of, you know, gaslighted myself into a lot of different off-season moves. Uh then depression again. Um <laughs> But I think I think if I had to sum up a lot of the questions that I think need to be answered in the next eight months is probably the one on everyone's mind is what is going on with Tua? Um, just kind of browsing Twitter um, since Saturday's game. Everyone here is suddenly a football expert on Twitter.com where you got random people firing off takes about whether we should keep Tua, whether we should trade him. I mean, I've seen a whole slew of takes and I quite frankly am not sure What's what, what's even the correct one? I mean, I've seen so much as people saying that we should trade Tua somehow and get Justin Fields. I've seen that take floating around. I've seen people talking about we should pursue Kirk Cousins. I've seen people talk about we should pursue Russell Wilson. I've seen people talk about that we should basically offload all of our players, Tyreek, Waddle, Phillips, in a first round to try and get the first round pick from the Bears and get Caleb Williams. I mean, it's it's just literally it's it's just been takes left and right. I feel like half the time a lot of these accounts are just firing them firing them off for engagement. But I think that really summarizes where we stand right now where it's we're sort of in this weird purgatory where I think it's really unclear what the next move is. And I will give my take on what I believe the move is and I think no. Tua is still our guy. Yes. That is same. as simple as that. I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. If you are saying that we need to move on from Tua and get another QB, you do not know ball. And on top of that, you don't know numbers either. Because if you go back and look at how he performed, statistically, we have not had a quarterback like him, like, ever. You literally have to go back all the way to Dan Marino to see numbers like that. Tua has been incredibly consistent. He's managed games very well. And again, football is a 22-man sport, 11, man, 11 men on offense, 11 men on defense. And again, Defense, a lot of the times, did not do their job when it came to stopping the opponent. So saying this is all to his fault just really shows that you don't know ball. Like, again, he led the league a lot in passing yards. Um, you know, I think he had top five QBR. Again, all, all the numbers are there. So he's still he's still the guy, in my humblest opinion. Whatever Chris Gear, whatever Chris Greer um, decides to do, whatever Stephen Ross decides to do, you know, if they do make the decision to move on from him for whatever reason, I will respect that decision. But personally, and again, my personal opinion, I'm not going to say this is both of our opinion. I think he's still the guy. What do you think, John? I, I agree completely. And if, if for no other reason, like even if he wasn't like, like the NFL guy, like that we want as a player, which I also think he is from like the financial numbers, it makes sense. Cause it's like, just, you can just franchise tag him. It's a great deal. Like mm -hmm. just keep him and build around him. If you wanted to make this the last season, like you literally can do that financially. Um, but I completely agree. I mean, Mike McDaniel's first season was last year. They made the playoffs together with Tua going like incoherent. And then this season, huge bright spots. And uh, third season, third season's a charm. Let's, I mean, it's you can be optimistic about that pretty easily. Um, so I completely agree. Build out the offensive line more. Load up again on the defense. And get another freaking wide receiver, I feel like. Or, excuse me, the tight end. Our boy Brock Bowers. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you actually pretty much went right into the next uh, talking point I wanted to mention that I agree 100%. Changing up the QB position, that is not, that is, to me, you start doing that, you are pretty much screaming rebuild. You're pretty much saying, hey, yeah. we had this experiment of a roster. It was a failure. We're going to be rebuilding. So I am not a proponent of changing the QB position. Now, if you tell me that you're going to bring in a veteran QB to maybe compete with Tua a little bit to kind of get him a little bit more experience, sure, I'll go with that. But to say that we're changing QB1s, I'm sorry, that is to me a surefire sign of we're rebuilding. We have no more confidence in this roster. So yes, I think loading up offensive line, tight end, especially Brock Bowers, I'm a huge proponent of drafting, drafting that guy out of Georgia. Um, so completely, completely agree with that, man, 100%. And um, what was I going to say? Uh, shoot, I think I lost it. Uh-oh, can I get it back? Can I get it back? I cannot. Nope. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of uh, other accounts uh, on social media talk about this, where it's again, replacing QB is not the answer. It's building more pieces around an old line being big one. I've actually seen a couple of takes that there was one in particular that I really liked where it was uh, getting Derek Henry. Cause supposedly this is his last year with the dude getting him in the backfield Drafting a tight end um, this uh, this season, and again, I, I think it's there's some pretty solid tight ends uh, this particular season, and building in the trenches, and we'll be good because all the other pieces on this Miami Dolphins team are sensational. Our secondary, when healthy, is amazing. Is amazing. Our front seven, when healthy, also amazing. Um, so I think yeah, it's really just a couple key positions, and the one thing I'll say. Uh, when it comes to Tua trending up as a player, he's been getting better every single season. I mean, when you compare how he's playing now versus when he started, he only gets better every season. So it's safe to say that when he plays for us next season, he's going to be that much better. So Agreed. I'm still confident. Again, the season did not end as well as we wanted it to be. But again, this is what separates the fake fans from the bandwagon fans. You know, Miami was very hot. People loved them, you know, when they were doing really well and, now the true fans are actually coming out. All of the people saying, oh, fire everyone. I mean, there's people out there saying, fire McDaniel, fire wow. McDaniel, get a new general manager. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, like time out, bro. Like we didn't go, we didn't go 0-17. We finished the season well above 500, double digit wins, made the playoff in what, week 15, weeks, week 16, what, whenever the, the Dallas Cowboys game was. Again, that's- Broke multiple records. Yeah, broke multiple records. To say the season was a failure, again, you don't know ball if that is yeah. the, that you're it's, it's It's a learning experience for Mike McDaniel, too. It's his first head coaching job. And, mm -hmm. I mean, first two seasons going pretty good. I mean, like, yeah, it's your, your take is right. People don't know ball. I remembered what I was going to say before. Derrick Henry, that would be sick. I'm buying that jersey right away. That would be the, the – dude, Derrick Henry and A-Chain. That's like the – crazy one-two combo bro it would literally destroy defensive coordinator brains you put mm -hmm. them in like you have tua and then play it in like the pistol or um like with like the wing backs on the side and have derrick Henry on one side and a chain on the other and like just run screen passes either way and hand dude mike mcdaniel with both of those weapons would be insane and then yeah. tyree kill and then jalen waddle and mm -hmm. dude oh oh and and for the qb we talked about this in the previous episode. Russell Wilson would be sick as mm -hmm. far as a veteran. I just don't know if he'd come for like a low amount of money. I feel like he's still going to try and be a star. Obviously, I mean, you know, any competitor wants to keep playing. So it's hard to imagine, but um, I agree. It'd be awesome to have a veteran or draft a late rookie that's, you know, relevant that can really push to and, and give him some spark because, I mean, Mike White, he's good, but he's not. <laughs> He's not taking the starting spot from really anyone in the league. He was taking yeah. it from the Jets bench. Um, what was the last thing I was going to say? Um, I'll oh, here's my take. I'm a little bit scared that we're going to lose Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, and I would lean more towards Jalen Waddle. As far as I don't know, what do you think about that? I think so too, man. Because we're we're definitely going to be losing someone this season because we just where Big. we are with the cap space situation again signing. Um, signing Jalen Ramsey again, the huge amount of money that Tyreek Hill got. Um, what was another big signing? Bradley Chubb. Um, you know, that's someone that got paid pretty hefty. 
the only bright spot I started seeing it today is that Teron Armstead supposedly might be retiring, and he was a pretty he was a pretty big cap hit. Um, so I would be fine with that as much as I like him as a player. Um, again, unfortunately, the injuries have kept them off the field too much. So at this point, if he retired, that would free up some cap space. Um, I've seen that Xavier Howard also might not be back on the team. That would also free up cap space. But I do agree with you. I feel like we're not going to – there was just zero chance that we're going to keep everyone that was on this roster and still stay uh, below below the uh, the cap space limit. I mean, Jalen Waddell, I want to say this was – no, he might actually have one more year on his rookie contract. I would I would have to double-check that. But assuming I'm wrong in that, and this is actually his last year in the rookie contract, and you know he's got to talk about an extension, I do think that we would lose him. Yeah, um, or use him in a trade or something. Yeah, like he's super valuable in that. So, I mean, we need we need an O line, especially if Armstead leaves, like a veteran like that. Um, I'm looking at the draft class right now. Um, but yeah, we don't have any draft picks either. So maybe that's another thing we use to get to draft up. Who knows? This this is fun where all the speculation starts. Yeah, this is. This is where suddenly everybody becomes a football a football expert, and it's just like somehow, <laughs> you know, the guys that never watch a single week of college football suddenly come with like the craziest takes, and you know, everyone knows better than Chris Greer, McDaniel, and all of the coordinators. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's going to be an interesting off season. Um, we are now back in, you know, to me, once once Dolphin season is over, like football season's over, you know, obviously. I'm still going to watch the playoffs. I'm still going to watch the Super Bowl. I'm still going to watch the conference championships. But again, when, when you don't have a dog in that fight anymore, it's just it's both relieving, but also boring at the same time. If you know, I'm sure you know what that means. I agree completely, but I, I'm going to watch. I love it. Like this this weekend has kind of been really horrible games besides the, the Rams Lions. Every game has really been like a blowout. Um, but the game tonight, I'm, I'm excited for tonight. The Eagles and the Bucks, that's going to be a good game. But, uh, I mean, the Bills and Steelers just ended, I think, like in the first quarter, it was already like 17 0, something like that. And so I'm excited for the later end of this playoff. So I'm, I'm excited that it's like it's, it's all kind of like fresh teams. It's, there's, there's no Brady, there's no like Peyton Manning. It's all kind of like these new and upcoming people. I just hope the 49ers lose. I just hope the 49ers don't make it to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll be happy. I'm really rooting for like maybe a Lions. I'm I'm really rooting for the Lions. Like that's that's who yeah. I guess that's the dog that I have in this fight now. You know, that would just be such a feel-good story. Yeah. Uh, um, actually, this was a sensational week for the state of Michigan. Monday, you win a national championship in college football. Uh, yesterday, you win your first playoff win um, since 1991, literally over three decades of a playoff victory drought. And then today, the Pistons won. That is now, I think, their third or fourth win um, of the season. So absolutely, you know, shout out to the state of Michigan, because I'm sure it's all that shit right now. And again, <laughs> big, big, big week uh, for the Midwest. They deserve yeah. it. So shout Yo, out. Big Big shout out to our boy Luke Tobler. He's 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 way up. Oh yeah, way up, dude. Luke, you gotta get a you got your you got your Michigan tattoo. Now you can get a Lion tattoo. All right, I'm down. I'm down to be a Lions fan this postseason. Yeah, Let's do it. it. Yeah, I'm all the Lions. Way. Technically, technically, the way we can sort of spin zone this is that Dan Campbell technically was uh, a temporary head coach for the Dolphins, like way way a couple years back. I mean, this was when I first moved to Miami. Uh, right before we got um, Adam Gaze, I believe, or it might have been between. I don't remember. It was just so long ago. But I remember um, he was our head coach. And I was so hyped, man. Like, I could tell he was, like, such a football guy. So, I guess that's sort of the dog that we can have in, in this fight by rooting for the uh, the Lions fan. Uh, yeah. The Lions. So, yeah. Hashtag One Pride. This is now officially a Lions <laughs> podcast. Hashtag One Pride. That's I like that. Uh, here's another fun fact. Since the Lions did win that game, now the Dolphins have the longest streak since winning a playoff game Literally. in 24 years. Dude, it just it just added insult to injury. Like it's it's always painful to lose in the playoffs, but then I feel like that was one of the very first stats that I saw the next year. Yeah. We are the sole owners of like the longest drought uh, of an NFL playoff victory in the NFL, and I think also <laughs> the fourth longest drought in like sports in general, Ugh. something like that. So. Woof. It's it's painful, um, you know, and one of the things that I've said during this podcast is, you know, it, it always boils down to playoffs like 
it sucks that everything that was accomplished during the regular season, Tyreek probably getting offensive player of the re- of the year, Tua having led the league mo- for multiple weeks in a row, um, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of passing yards. Tyreek Mostert and A-Chain having the fastest speeds um, of any player. Again, all of those things just now suddenly became meaningless after one playoff loss, after one playoff loss. So it hurts, bro. But like I said, this is where all of the bandwagon fans, all of them are going to come true. And that's fine, bro. Like, don't don't be a fan later. Like, we don't need you guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. Unfortunately, it is what it is. But I'm psyched. I'm psyched to give just absolutely horrendous takes when it comes to the uh, to the off season, speculating when it comes to the draft. Um, but I'm excited, man. I'm, yeah, I'm, what do you what do you think McDaniel's going to do this off season? What do you think like his highlight plan is personally? Uh, hopefully, not relapse. <laughs> I, I swear, like I'm hopefully, here. genuinely, hopefully, and hopefully not. Uh, I I feel like if I was him, having being stuck in in Kansas City, like having had that playoff loss, like if he did not relapse, he is a better man than I am. Because if I had the history that he that he had. For sure, man, I would have just pounded like the shittiest liquor, you know, in the back of the uh, the the uh, the the bus or whatever it is that they're taking a hundred percent. So that's that's my first hope. I, I actually had that thought. I'm just like, man, I really pray that this guy's he's doing OK. Dude, I would have been on field with it, like in my parka with like a little carry on just being oh, like straight up on plays, taking hits of the, the vape pen that he's got. Yeah. So. But other than that, man, it's 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 interesting. I feel like it's it's going to be an interesting next eight months because, um, you know, I feel like at this point, if I, I I mean, are we prepared to say that if next season we have the same result, like does that put Mike McDaniel on the hot seat officially? It depends. But yeah, I think it does. But with room for maneuverability there, but I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends. I mean. It's funny. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. I was going to say, for example, if Tua goes down, obviously, that's uh, something to maneuver around. But um, I don't know, man. I'm optimistic. I'm not even thinking about that. Like, as far as even like, like Mike McDaniel having a disappointing season, like, I think like there was a lot to learn from this season. The one thing I will say to be nervous about is, uh, you know, the, the staff getting poached. I forget the guy's name, but I know one of his staffers was already interviewing for the Carolina Panthers job. I forget his name, but That'll be interesting because once again, Mike McDaniel, first year, not first year, but his second year head coach ever, uh, losing staffers is is an experience to go through. Losing, replacing, plug that into your system. I would imagine some people do it better than others. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yeah, like I said, I'm, you know, when we first started speaking about this, I don't know what the answer is. Truthfully, I feel like in years past, that was a little bit clearer. It was always, oh, we, we, we need a quarterback. But now, yeah, it's 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 tough. But I'm, you know, I've seen some shitty-ass Dolphins teams, and I can only be grateful that it was still a fun season. You know, we had ample fun. I went to the against the Denver game. I saw them put up 70 on them. You know, we went to the, uh, the Cowboys game. Um, so, yeah. You know, thank you, Dolphins, for another fun season. Did not love the way it ended, but we're still here. We'll still be here whether we win the Super Bowl or go 0-17. I'll still be here. <laughs> eek, eek, eek. Eek, eek, eek. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so rest in peace, uh, our NFL season, until uh, September of – 2024. So moving on to the next hot topic. So John, we obviously still on the topic of NFL. We got to talk about your Cowboys taking a fat L like the Dolphins getting eliminated in the wild card round. How you doing, bro? It was a tough, it's been a tough like stretch for you. Bama losing, Cowboys losing, obviously Dolphins losing. It's it's been rough, man. Are you okay? I'm smiling through the pain. Um, like I said, my 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 spin on it that I'm like gaslighting myself with is I got over with quick. The disappointment came at once. It was kind of like ripping a Band-Aid off. Maybe it was kind of like as I ripped the Band-Aid off, someone quickly took like some alcohol and like sprayed it on there for extra pain. But it all happened quickly. So I can be thankful for, for, for that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But my takeaway, I mean, it's just uh, Dak Prescott, man. 
it's just always it's 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 funny right we, we go from talking about Tua how it's like everyone points at him I think it's safe to say that I can point at Dak Prescott I mean it's so funny when you were saying how um like the first stat I saw after the game was um you know the the longest playoff losing streak and it's like for me I was laughing because I'm like it was the first one was that and the other one I saw was like even before the game was over I think it was like 21-0 or something like that. It's like the Cowboys have been eliminated from the playoffs meme. It's like the first quarter of the game. I'm like, you know what? That's actually it's it's true. It's the game's over already. So yeah, man. I don't know. This season, I migrated more over the Dolphins side for sure, for obvious reasons, and uh, luckily so because yeah, this is just a typical textbook Dallas Cowboys season of disappointment and you know, going to the highest highs. I remember I had this this perspective in the beginning of the season. I'm like, I'm not going to take this season seriously. I'm going to focus on the Dolphins. Whatever happens, the the Dallas Cowboys season happens, and and I'll be happy for it all the more. And then we had that first game against the Giants where we just, like, killed them. And I was like, I'm back. I was like, you got me. I'm in. I'm I'm back. Okay. And you know what? And this is what happens. So, you know, I'm I'm an experienced fan. I'm built for this. I've gone through it. I know the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. But, but I got to ask you because I always feel what the, you know, the, the, the one bright spot is that I always feel, at least with, with a team like the Dolphins, because they're not, for whatever reason, they don't get a ton of media attention. So when the Dolphins lose, like we as the fans are the only ones that are upset about it. But I feel like a team like the Cowboys, that always is a talking point every single season. Not only do you as a fan get hurt by it, but then everyone else on top of that celebrates your loss. Yeah as well like i've always wondered how that was (laughs) it's painful because it's across multiple sports for me well not sports but the dallas cowboys and alabama and for the dallas cowboys i'm more used to it because yeah (laughs) every season it's happening at the biggest moment possible probably and uh it definitely sucks like for i had my buddy who's a who's a packers fan joe jackson facetime me of course as they're whooping our ass uh, in their in their Packers jerseys, and like he's a 49ers fan too, so he just like always gets these punches on me. Yeah, and it sucks, but I just eat it. You can't say anything because it's true. Um, so yeah, man. But you know what? These days make us stronger, and when the Cowboys and the Dolphins win, it'll make it all the more sweeter. So I'm just patiently waiting for those days. Patiently exactly. waiting. Just don't be a fan later. That's all you can exactly, do. dude. You got you got to ride or die because that's that's how you get the you that's how you get the the real dopamine rush is just enduring and then when you have that success it's just like for example against the kc game people like were already saying like, oh like we're gonna get shit on blah blah blah. this that the games are blah, blah blah it's like why would you do that's the last game of the, the it, potentially the last game you play so the last time you can really be a fan for the year and then like wouldn't you rather like hype it up and like be excited for it with like the, the hope of winning and then you lose instead of like the opposite where like, why would you be emo before the game even starts? It's just, sports Sports are meant for you to, like, yeah, whatever. So, yeah, man, that's life. It's a painful ride, but, you know, like you said, the pain only only makes you stronger. And Amen. Amen. So, off-season, eight months until, you know, the um, uh, the first Dolphins game of, uh, of 2024. Uh, and we'll be here. We'll still... We're going to buy in regardless of what happens. I'm going to be saying, yeah, Dolphins to the Super Bowl week one. And definitely. I'm not. Yes. <laughs> Dolphins to the Super Bowl week one, uh, preseason week one. Pre-season. NFL draft round one pick yeah. one. Like, what, what <laughs> we draft? Like, we could draft a punter in the first round, and I'm just like, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. Jersey purchased Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Instantly. <laughs> All righty, man. So, yeah, that's it. That's it for the NFL. But, yeah, we got to give a little bit of attention to um, some of our some of our other topics of today. Uh, so the team that we'll probably be now more focused on is our Miami Heat. A lot of big news, probably the biggest headline that we had these past couple of weeks. Eric Spolstra inking 120 million um, for eight years. Um, and big, huge shout out to the Miami Heat organization for giving him that contract after the divorce. All I can say is city boys way up heat culture heat co- heat exactly heat culture, baby. <laughs> like, if ever ask you know if anyone ever is like well what 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 exactly is hate culture i'm gonna be like heat culture is giving your guys 120 million dollars after the divorce that's what heat culture is and if you don't understand that you don't know ball i'm sorry 
<laughs> yes. yes. Second highest paid coach on annual basis behind Literally. Greg Popovich. Yeah. Hey, baby. The, the, the guy is such a feel-good story, man, because he, he played bas- he played college basketball, um, and then he started working for the Heat organization as a video editor, and then just wow. slowly started working his way up. You know, going from that to then winning three championships and now being one of the top highest paid coaches, I would say really in all of sports, probably, because I can't imagine like what co- I'm, I'm sure there's coaches making more than that, but there's way less people that are making more than that, as opposed to people making less than that. I mean, just a sensational yeah. story. I think on top of that, you know, he's um, he's part Filipino. So I think there's the whole you know, that aspect. So it's awesome, man. And he seems like a really, he seems like a really cool guy. Obviously like guys love playing for him. You know, there's a reason why Miami, like you never want to see them in the playoffs. And a lot of that starts with Spolstra. Like he knows yeah. how to play his guys. That would be a sick uh, Netflix documentary with his story. Cause I didn't know that he, he's, he was literally like us a little gremlin just yeah, literally editing and yeah. chopping up plays. He was literally like just saying, fuck it, fuck it, I ball, you know, fuck we it. We ball, but that, that's all he was saying. And <laughs> you know, now he's making 120 million over eight years. So per the pattern in maybe the next two decades, we will be making, I guess, accounting for inflation, 170 million over eight years at some point. Wow. Sounds good. Insane. Thanks, yep. Eric Spolstra for all the back. playbook. Yeah. <laughs> so, so does this now mean Bronny and LeBron James to Miami? Yeah, 100%. I am, I've never been more bought in, um, into that take than until now, like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yep. That's it's, this is step one. Like, you know, people have been dogging, uh, uh, the Godfather, uh, Pat, Pat Riley saying that, you know, he's washed. He doesn't know what he's doing, but you know, he's, he's playing like 20 steps ahead. And this is step one of like the entire plan was getting Spolstra into this contract. Now here come the other phases, which is getting LeBron James back and then getting Bronny out of the draft. It's incredible. Like, All right. What do you think about this? <clears throat> so Bronny James comes out of USC whenever. LeBron James comes here. LeBron James wins another title with Miami. Do they build another statue with LeBron and Dwayne Wade outside the arena? Introducing yeah. the Dwayne Wade statue on that as well. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no, no, do not think so. Cause I think, I think Dwayne Wade, it wasn't just the championships. I think it was sort of his embodiment of the city. I think above all else, I mean, his story, he's was drafted by Miami. He stayed with Miami. I mean, he obviously that those last two years, he technically went to Chicago and then to Cleveland, but I, I, I don't believe that. Anytime I see pictures of that, I'm just like, yeah, that never happened. That's Photoshop. That never. It's like Michael Jordan in uh in yeah, DC for the Wizards. Yeah, it's. Um, but besides that, man, like no one repped harder than him. I think he was really the one that started, you know, heat culture and all of that. Um, so I would say no, personally. But I mean, you never know if maybe he did it like his like if that happened and he did it his first year, maybe. That could uh, that could mean a statue, but I would personally say probably not. Bronny James statue could be just could be. just father son statue. Like we could be the ones that'd be sick. Yo, that'd be sick. He would be the first to do it. I love it. I love it. But no, I mean, going back to the current Heat roster, uh, we're dude. We have like a lot of young guys. I mean, Pacquiao's playing out of his buying. It sucks that he actually had a groin injury uh, when we just played the uh, the Hornets. So I think he's going to be out two to three games. Uh, Jovic, who anyone who's listened to this podcast knows, we have been huge proponents of um, since we basically since we started this podcast. I actually saw him play this past week against OKC. The kid's a stud, and he's only 20 years old. Like crazy. He can sink a three from the logo, but can't legally buy a beer. Just process that <laughs> for a second, like how crazy that is. So the kid's a stud. Uh, I'm excited, like, as he continues getting experience, he's, you know, like his full Eastern European bloodline is going to awaken and he's just going to be, you know, another stud of a of a player. Uh, so we have a lot of the young guys. Obviously, Bam is still very young. Uh, Tyler Hero still very young. Um, so even, even if we don't end up, because at some point, Jimmy, like, I don't see this guy continuing to play basketball at the level he's at. You know, he is kind of trending more towards the, uh, the older side. Um, but I think we'll be fine, man, you know. 
with Sposting. We're going to keep getting just like the most random ass basketball players that you've never heard of and literally turning them into superstars. Um, so we'll be fine. But yeah, we're going to be talking about heat culture a lot more on this podcast. Um, now that we're progressing, you know, uh, we're kind of we're getting close to the uh, the midpoint of the season. Um, now with the All-Star game coming up, that's officially the halfway marker of the season. So this is really when you start seeing like what are the teams that are going to be competitors um, come playoff time, and what are the teams that again aren't really gonna aren't really gonna do anything. Um, so the Heat have been competitive, but the East is it's tough right now. The Sixers are playing well. Celtics are playing absolutely out of their mind. Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I mean, even even the Pacers are being competitive. So the East is the East is always really really tough, but I think it's gonna be really really tough this season but i'm excited go i'm excited dude i smell a ring it's coming <laughs> i i don't know why when you said that i thought uh you were talking about like the ring doorbell system and i'm just like interesting <laughs> good take john agreed <laughs> i'd be like mm, you might want to go to the er but if you're smelling that <laughs> i don't know how that works <laughs> But yeah, fuck it. Like every single start of the season, I always say we're going to get a ring, and that take does not change, including this episode. Confidence yeah, is key. Confidence is key. So, yeah, man, heat heater heating up right at the right time. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot more about that as the season progresses. All right, but what other topics do we got to talk about today? All right. Yeah, man. Um, oh, John. College, well, college football. We got to talk college football more than anything. We got to talk about your boy, Nick Saban, officially retired. Actually, not just, it's just so many end to so many eras. I mean, on the same day, we had Bill Belichick retire. We had Nick Saban retiring. We had Pete Carroll, um, you know, getting, getting let go. Um, but holy shit, there's just like so many end to so many eras. But I guess to you, as a lifelong Bama fan, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good now. Uh, in the moment, it was like the end of the workday. I forget what day, maybe Thursday or Friday. And uh, this is not the news I needed. I just felt empty and shallow and hollow and just sad. It was like I was telling people, yeah, it was Thursday or Wednesday. And I went to play my soccer uh, practice on Thursday night. And I was talking to people They're like, why does it matter? I'm like, dude. Alabama is guaranteed 100% dopamine in the fall. <laughs> it's like such an outlet outlet for like guaranteed happiness or at least excitement <clears throat> with a good rate of return. Uh, this season being like a great example of that where, you know, we had mistakes and still end up getting to the playoffs. So, yeah, it's painful. It was very painful at the moment. Um, but I say not anymore because I love our hire. Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, from Washington, probably the best hire we could have made, honestly, in like the big picture. I was a big Lane Kiffin advocate, but I heard uh, some people in the administration and even like in this, the teams working still like just have a horrible relationship with him. So they're like, no way are we going to let this guy call the shots here. And he probably wasn't going to come anyway. Just like that Ole Miss program right now is just so set up for success. They, they're yeah. loaded this season. Um, so yeah, Kalen DeBoer, he's like has an unbelievable record. Two seasons in Washington. Uh, like his, his, he's got like a crazy win record against ranked teams, beat Oregon every time they've played, um, in his two years there. So twice during the regular season and then one in the PAC 12 championship. So that was the big name that people were talking about with Dan Lanning coming. This guy beat him three times. Yeah. Um, so things look good. And Nick Saban is the biggest thing is Nick Saban is he's not leaving. He's going to be still day-to-day -day operations. He's got an office in the stadium. We were talking in our group chat that they're, they're, they're modeling, the AI with Nick Saban. So <laughs> they'll have his brain hooked up in the stadium when the plays are getting called and we'll have it all. We're going to have the Nick Saban Alabama AI running in no time. So, I love it. Yeah. So I feel good. Na uh, Alabama winning the natty next year. Write it in. Dude. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, the, the foundation that he's created for that program, it's, it's just, you're just going to stay dominant for the foreseeable future. That just, that just doesn't suddenly go away. And I mean, there's so many statistics that I started seeing 
um, when he announced his retirement that were just mind boggling at his absolute dominance. I mean, he literally bullied an entire section of the country, the entire yeah. southeast region of the country was literally bullied by this guy for the better part of 20, you know, two decades or however long he was at um, 17 years. Yeah, close, close to uh, to two decades. I mean, so many just again, I, I think one of the ones that to me really blew my mind was that at his tenure at Alabama, there was never a player that played there for four years that did not end up leaving Bama without a ring. Like, yes. how absolutely fucking insane is that like to, to the point where if you got recruited there as a starter, you were almost guaranteed a ring. Like, that's that's insane. Yeah, stay for I, four, play for four, get a ring. Guaranteed. I think, yeah. I think, I think there was another one that he had more SEC championships um, than losses or something like that. I think that's an accurate stat because he's only lost once in the SEC championship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, it's insane. But yeah, man. I mean, it was, uh, it's, it's, it's the, it was the best case scenario because it's, it's painful in the moment. But like looking at it from the high level, even so soon after still, it's like he left at, you could say, still the pinnacle. I mean, Alabama has the number one ranked all around roster in the country right now, like mm -hmm. the highest rated freshmen to seniors it's the most loaded team um has i think the number one or number two recruiting class for 2024 2025 um and nick saban is still clearly capable so he's mm -hmm. taking a step back at a very high top on the mountain moment and he's still capable to lend his knowledge and groom like the next generation yeah. And so I couldn't ask for anything better. Like it's, it's a masterclass. Nick Saban's uh, one of his interviews he had with ESPN after the fact was, was masterclass. So it's just like, yeah, the perfect embodiment of who he is as a, as a man, just like class um, intelligence and yeah, just super lucky to, to honestly be getting this experience uh, as a fan. So I'm grateful. It was sad, but like I said, I'm still the same Alabama fan. I was, when we went to go play Michigan, I'm confident for next season and uh, I'm really excited. So, yeah, man, you still got a root and that program is going to stay incredible for the foreseeable future. Like I said, you, you got to be just like a shit tier coach to somehow ruin what's already been established by that. And there was no way that Nick Saban was going to let, you know, his um, whoever took the, uh, the reins after him to just be some nobody. Like it was going to be someone that he was going to have a very much prominent Satan. So if Saban's yeah. vetting this guy, if he's, you know, this guy got that position probably through his blessing, um, I'm sure he's going to be a stud. And obviously we saw what this guy did with Washington. I can only assume that the expectations are going to stay the same, that at a minimum you're getting a conference championship. Like that is going to continue being the floor for Alabama. The expectation always being an adding floor, conference championship, ceiling, national championship. Yeah, uh, this, this guy's out. a winner, Kalen DeBoer. Like he, I think, has only lost like several games in his entire tenure of being a head coach across all of his teams, like Fresno State, Washington, one more team before that. Uh, and the OC that he has or had at Washington and is coming to Alabama now. Alabama actually tried to poach him uh, this past season before we hired the, the young kid from Notre Dame. So we wanted what Washington had. Um, so, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Can't wait. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, I wish at some point in my lifetime, I, I'll know what that feels like for me. The expectation is just hoping we don't have, you know, at Florida, we don't have two guys on the field with the same Jersey. And so we don't get a flag at that. That's I'm like, Hey, if we can do that, if we can start off the season with that not happening, uh, that's, that's an improvement. So dude, one of the funniest things that happened that made me smile during my time of sadness was Billy Napier. You are the Alabama head coach. <laughs> Oh, you wish bro i i just want i i used to re and, and and that's something i could go on for like a 60 minute long take but yeah man i was a believer in him and i don't know what to believe anymore <laughs> we i mean we got a five-star quarterback as a as our qb next season so but knowing how we're no like how we've been these past couple of seasons we'll probably have him for a season and then he'll probably enter the transfer portal and go in and add him probably with Alabama the season after that cuz that that that's just the way things are
So <laughs> or FSU. Yeah, dude. dude or FSU speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of the state of Florida, speaking of college football, Miami Hurricanes. Miami Hurricanes are loaded right now. Um, they got two transferring quarterbacks coming in. One, which was I was excited about. This guy's name is Reese Poffenbarger. We were actually going to try and get him on the podcast. We still might. Um, he threw for the most yards in all of FCS at U of Albany. I liked it. Looks like a stud, athletic kid. Um, but then the big, big, big news came in the other day. Cam Ward from Washington yeah. State originally declared for the draft and then it makes this big announcement to come to Miami. And wow. I mean, this kid has thrown for over 3,000 yards, three seasons in a row. Um, 4,600 yards in 2021 at Incarnate Ward. And 3,200 and 3,700 yards back-to-back in Washington State. This kid is a G. He definitely would have been probably one of the top, I would say, top five to top ten quarterbacks drafted in this draft. And he's coming to Miami, and he is going to stunt on the ACC. I'm really excited for the Hurricanes this season. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible how much the atmosphere of college football has has transformed with because I'm sure, you know, back in the day, most kids couldn't wait to enter the uh, the draft or sorry, the um, the NFL draft, um, because that was going to be the opportunity where from playing football, they could finally start making money. But now if you're really good, now you have more options because you can still stay in college. I'm sure he got like a fat NIL deal from oh, yeah. someone in Miami to uh, to come. So that's insane, man. Um, and that's awesome, bro, because, you know, again, I I'm a, I'm a Florida fan first and then a UM fan after the fact. But, you know, if they do good, I feel like that's still going to be good for me, you know, with us being a local. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it, bro. Like when I saw the news, I was like, holy shit, dude, that's that's insane. Yeah, I feel good. I mean, this this and this year in Miami recruiting, um, they're ranked top 10. I think they're number yeah. seven recruiting class. So they're they're loaded up. And this is this is the year for Cristobal. Um, I mean, this is his third year. You know, we said we're saying the same thing about Mike McDaniel next year. I think across the board, three years is probably a good idea. I think one more year he will have had a full cycle of uh, recruiting classes, obviously four. But um, with Cristobal this season, you know, it was always like actually a lot of the they could have had a great season. I mean, they had a good season, but they could have had a great season if they had better play calling. Yeah. So it's interesting to see like that the roster is getting better and these bigger, better players are coming in. But really, when you look back at the previous season, it was a lot on play calling. So it'll be interesting to see where that balance comes out um, this season. But yeah, this like every college football season, so much excitement, so much possibility. And then we're going to have the expanded playoff as well. So next season, college yeah, football it, is going to be lit. It's going to be it's going to be interesting, man. Yeah, I'm super excited for the um, the expanded uh, 12 team playoff. That's that's going to be dope. Um, I mean, shit, if, if Florida gets its shit together, you know, they might maybe make that. Uh, but again, I cannot get my expectation high because that's that's the worst thing you can do as a fan is delude yourself and gaslight yourself into thinking that you're going to be really good when because then when it doesn't happen, it's just that much more painful. Whereas keeping your expectations low, if they suck, you were just like, well, that's what I expected anyways. And if for some reason they are actually good, you're just pleasantly surprised. So I'm keeping yeah. my expectations very, 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 <laughs> very low. Billy Napier, you are the yeah. next Miami Dolphins coach. No, please, God, no. Oh, God, no. I would. <laughs> like, holy shit, dude. Don't, don't, don't even joke with me. Like, oh, my God, dude. Jesus. That was a borderline slur. Yeah. Like, please don't say that. On a day like today. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, dude. On a day of all days, you're going to put that juju out there like, Jesus, John. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to get more listeners, but <laughs> please, please, full disclaimer, that was a joke. We are not in any way serious with that take. Like I know we may I know I've made some shitty takes, but that is not a take I could even say in a joke. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. All right, baby. Well, um, I think that's uh we're coming to the end of uh, our agenda here, but you know, as always. Haven't had a whole lot of activity with Inner Miami, but we did get the big signing. So, John, you want to take us through that one a little bit? Yeah, we, we're we're still we're coming up to our our first preseason game is in two days. I don't know how to count. Four days, <laughs> January fourteenth. Uh, it's January nineteenth. Excuse me. 
But um, yeah, we signed Julian Gressel. Um, he's a really versatile player. I think he's like 26, 27, uh, German American. He played under Tata, our manager, uh, Tata Martino in Atlanta for Atlanta United, played everywhere on the field, played wing back, played in the midfield, played it as winger. I think now he's more of a, a winger and midfielder. Um, but he's going to be perfect for us because, uh, as we cycle our players around, you know, Messi and Suarez and, um, Busquets. And in Kramaski, like the young players, we need someone that we can really put anywhere. And Julian Gressel is exactly that. And and our manager has played with him before, knows how he works. He's a hard worker. He's uh, mature. He's a real professional and quick, a lot of stamina. So yeah, exciting signing. Um, I'm happy about it. I know, I think he is. I mean, who's not happy to come play for Messi or with Messi and Suarez and Busquets and Jordi Alba. Yep. So uh, it's a big win all around. And yeah, I'm excited for the Inter-Miami season to start. We're, we're team Messi quad. Luis Suarez's first uh, press conference, he was saying, let's dream big. Let's dream four trophies. So the team's already on board. The team was already hashtag team Messi quad. So yeah, turn up. Every, everyone's buying in, bro. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Um, I mean, I know earlier we were talking about it, uh, getting some uh, Inter-Miami tickets for this season. Yeah, man, uh, I'm fucking hyped about it. So it's going to be dope. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I love the fact that we're at a point now where even with the Dolphin season being over, we just we still have like other sports to look forward. It's just like, OK, we're done. But we have Heat, Panthers, Inter Miami, um, obviously Marlins or sorry, baseball season is going to start up fairly soon. I think spring training will probably start in the next couple months. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's exciting. And of course, we will be making all of the takes, good takes, bad takes um, on this podcast. Amen. Yes, sir. All right. Well, I think now we really might have reached our conclusion. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, dude, we got through We got through everything. Another exciting episode. Uh, episode 14 on the 15th. Again, happy MLK Day. Happy New Year's still. Happy everyone. New Year. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again for tuning in, guys. We will see you next week for episode 15. Peace out, spectator homies.